0: Hey, welcome to the Wildscast. I just finished an hour-long conversation with one of my dear friends, Charlie Harari. Charlie, for those of you who may be unfamiliar, has spoken at MG before. He was one of our best speakers. He's a motivational speaker, a prolific writer, radio host, He's got a lot of wisdom and in a very motivational, inspirational kind of way. Also runs his own real estate company. So he's an entrepreneur and has got one foot in the business world, one foot in the Jewish world. And we spoke about some basic points of just happiness, right? Because we are celebrating the Torah on the holiday of Shavuot. And one of the motivations, of course, is that how does living a life of Torah and mitzvot actually make us happier? Are Jews who observe the Jewish religion, happier than other people? What is it about Judaism that actually is supposed to make us happier? So we talked a little about that and about habits, developing the right kinds of habits. How does the brain work to enable us to be able to take moments of inspiration and make them part of our everyday lives because that's also crucial for habits. And does artificial intelligence change all of this? If we can just at the click of a button get all of this sort of handed to us how are we going to achieve spirituality and happiness if the computers are just doing everything for us today so take a listen click below to subscribe leave a review if you like this but really important conversation from somebody who has tapped into a lot of wisdom and inspiration and how to keep it Charlie Harari, Shalom uvracha. Welcome to the Wilds Cast. <laughs> thank you for being here. A great name. I, I, you know, I'm still searching. Maybe you can help me. It's the best I could do. That's what, I get. You didn't even don't, know that was don't. the name because you're laughing now.
1: The search was is over. He was with you all along. <laughs> you, you found it. Don't change his name. I love it.
0: So, um, thank you so much for coming on. It is such thank an honor you. and a pleasure. Uh, you are. Uh, I want to get right into some poignant questions for you, for our listeners, because I am super, super excited that you've joined us. You're a motivational speaker. You're a successful person in business. You are just, you're a prolific writer, author, just an inspiring human being and Jew. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Let's start at the beginning. What inspired you to start exploring the Torah's teachings as some kind of source for wisdom when it comes to personal growth?
1: So it's an honor to be here. The truth is, I'm, I'm none of those things. I, I I am whatever Hashem puts in at any moment, and it's an important distinction because we nobody has anything. We 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 are all at best faucets that without the, the pipes that flow the water in are are completely irrelevant. And so thank you for the kindness. But all the glory goes to Hashem. Um, I think you know sort of early on, um. When I was in Israel for the year, I, I was I was I was not a very inspired kid. Mm-hmm. Um, high school really was more about ball and girls and 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 trying to be as close as I can to Michael Jordan. It was hard for me to recognize that, that wasn't really going to happen. And uh, <laughs> it, it, Judaism wasn't didn't really speak to me. It was almost like a walking Jew jail. Um, and just my background where I went to school just didn't didn't necessarily inspire me. Um, it, it took somewhere in Israel when I went for the year. I went to a yeshiva called yeshiva Takotel.
0: Oh, you know, um, yeah. that that's where I went too. you know. We were different I, years. I was there yeah. 85, 86.
1: Oh, I was there a couple of years later. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was there. You know what it was like. You know what it's like yeah. in the old city. Um, and the truth is, to me, the most powerful parts were also, they had these things called chaburas. Mm-hmm. And they would just put you up in people's homes. Now, coming from a world, an American kid, you know, dreams of being a lawyer, dreams of, you know, wealth and success and... You know, going to these homes and seeing these individuals, small little apartments and lots of kids everywhere. Like I, it was it wasn't necessarily it didn't necessarily speak to me, mm-hmm. but I remember mm-hmm. early on being taken by their happiness,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like really sort of like it really impacted me. Like there are people that had a, that were not succeeding in, in my standards of materialism that seem to have exhibited levels of happiness. What mm. I rarely saw. Yeah. And yeah. and that sort of threw me for a few months in Israel. Um and, and over the course of my year, there was like an underlying theme that we, we came and went, you know what it's like, you know, what I'm saying this class, that class, this thing, that thing, all the details. But the really the mm-hmm. underlying thing under the details was this why in the world, what do they have? Like what yes. is it about this country, about so many people that I'm meeting that there's some level of Life satisfaction that I just didn't see. Listen, I lived in a wonderful I, everyone's grade, but but in the American scene. And to me, the conclusion I came to that year, which I knew nothing about, I I didn't know anything really. I wasn't I wasn't a good student. I, I wasn't a good, like, I was I didn't, I didn't know anything. The conclusion I came to was there's something in that book and in that thing called Judaism that is giving them a level of life satisfaction, and I got to figure this out. And that yeah. was like my one lesson that I took out of my year in Israel.
0: Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, I, I know, I know exactly. I know I was probably in some of the same tiny apartments in the old city, the yeah. you know, Jewish books, like all the way up to the ceiling. Yes. There's five, six kids. There's like two bedrooms and like somehow they're all happy to be alive. Just always Basimcha. So I mean, so you attributed that to, you attributed that to the Torah. You didn't, you didn't see that. Oh, maybe they had a really good marriage. You, you said that that was really coming from, from Judaism.
1: It had to have, it had to have, it, it, it was, it was, you know, it was I'll tell you something else that really got me. It was the way that, you know, it was the way that the wife looked at her husband. There was <laughs> something about the look, like there's some respect. <laughs> and as a guy who wanted to get married, like, I was like, what was that? Like, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like there's yeah, a certain yeah. respect that, that, that you give somebody that it's a that's a, a person of, of of wisdom and I, I i never i didn't know what that was but I, I knew i knew i knew where it was i knew where it was I it, it was clear to me that it was in it was on those books that i i didn't want to read mm-hmm. um and, mm-hmm. and 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 i'll say even further it was at someone's no fault but like when you when you're when you grow up with it in, in, in an environment when you can't really digest it, you're like, it can't be like, I I didn't like Talmud class in high school. Like, you know, say like I, I barely got through, you know, through, through, through Khamet. like all the, the Judaism was like what you can't do. Um, not much saying that my school wasn't inspiring in their way, but yeah. like it didn't really speak to me. So it, it really got to a place in my mind where I had to explore this. And and what happened was, and this is an incredible listen, Hashem runs the world. And, and one thing that I've seen in my life is that anything that we have is almost despite our best interest. Like <laughs> God's got a plan. And the more we let God run his show and we sit in the driver's in the in a passenger seat. And like, the more we raise our hand and go, I'm here, the, the better life goes. That's my, my that's my anecdotal mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. So I come back to, from Israel, mind you, and I know what been, you're
0: you're you're 19 20 years I'm old who are you now
1: I've been right. wanting to be a lawyer since I was a kid I mean I grew up with like Matlock and LA law and and the legal <laughs> I, I in my head like I pictured juries and Jaguars that was my life you know what I'm saying like even when I got to law school I was like what am I doing studying tour like what is this stuff like where's the juries like I had a picture of what I was going to do for the rest of my life, and it included standing in front of a jury, delivering a speech, and with God's help, getting some guy off, and then going into my job. But that was it; like that was the extent of my career planning. I
0: mean, what else um, is there, honestly? I mean, I mean yeah. what else do
1: they show? I mean, there were like times of like discovery that was cool too that I was going to do, but like that was <laughs> it. So I come home, and like now here I am. And and I, and it's disrupting my process. I Meaning, like before Israel, I was like flying, like you know, like right. Everything Israel is fun parties, friends, and then get back to business. Like now, I'm like, wait a second, like what is going on over here? So, I go, I saw sign I signed up for this yeshiva called Sharyashuv, mm-hmm, which is a yeshiva in Farakoy. I I go to this the rub my the Rebbe that I had was a, a rabbi named of Shmuel Brazil.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, I, I never really met Rebbeim like this before. I, he he is just a large. Light of a positivity, of, uh, of of song, of uh, of happiness, mm-hmm. and and I started to understand that there was something. It started to you know unravel for me, like not, not unravel, reveal. It started to reveal for me, like wait, we're studying this 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 gamara and look how slow he goes and how he gets into it and it's smart and brilliant and then we stop and sing a song and, and it's just putting. And I'm going to college in the afternoons and at night, and I end up in law school. And, and and along through my college years, what happened was, and this is sort of, again, Hashem running the world. I got inspired. I, I needed something. I was, really, um, I was really, like, losing it. I was in America. I was sort of stuck. Like, part of me wanted to be in Israel, and I was inspired there. America was uninspiring to me. I was in this, like, weird place that lots mm-hmm. of people I find are in. When you get inspired and you see some truth but then you get back to your life and it's not there and you're, you you got to get back to work but you, you know it, it's like this balance of 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 the material and the spiritual so i go to my I call my friend yakov gibber i don't know if you know yakov gibber yakov gibber is uh one of the greatest people i think on planet earth he's the rabbi of uh of the shul down Boca. oh um, of
0: course of course i know yakov yeah yeah, yeah. And i know all the gibbers they're amazing family
1: amazing so he's, he was my best friend in school. I call him up, and I'm like, I'm, I'm struggling. He says, come down to YU. I come to YU. He signs me up for Camp Ask. Now, <laughs> mind you, I had no intention of going to Camp Ask. I said no, and he like hands me an application. I'm like, no, like I'm not going. Right. He's like, great. For those,
0: for those of you who are listening, Camp Ask, uh, where two of my boys went, my daughter's going this summer. How would you describe Camp Ask? It's a camp for fill in the blank.
1: Um, development, mentally disabled individuals. Yeah. Who are the greatest people on earth? Yeah, um, yeah. Counselors. Very, it is. It's a special
0: it's a place. Camp special. Of, of people
1: with special needs, and it's um, and it's a place of just incredible giving and and warmth. Um, and it's what a lot of college kids do in their summers. I had no intention to because it wasn't getting me closer to jaguars and juries.
0: Right. Right.
1: So here I am. Jacob signs me up. I'm Hask is Jake
0: like has hess is like the antithesis of Jaguars in yeah, jury, right. right. Exactly. Like
1: so he's like, no, I signed up. I'm like, Jake, I'm not going. He's like, no, well, I, I have an interview you. I'm like, I'm not going. So I go into interview the division head. I'm like, I don't want to be there. And he goes, You're accepted. I'm like, I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh.
0: By the way, you know you know how hard it is to get in now? <laughs> they were willing to take you. You should have grabbed it. Yeah.
1: So I end up there. Jacob is my co-counselor. And it starts me on this path of like how good it feels to give. I I really, I -hmm. never had the, so I come back and say, I want to get involved in something. And a friend said to me, why don't you join NCSY? Long story short, we don't have time in the podcast to go through it. I end up on on a a Shabbaton in Cleveland, Ohio. NCSY,
0: by the way, National Conference Synagogue Youth, Jewish Outreach for Teenagers. Sorry, keep going.
1: Yeah, and I end up on a Shabbaton in Cleveland, Ohio. And guess what? They need a guy to speak about what's great about Judaism.
0: And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, I'm still
1: figuring it out. Like, I, I, like, I'm just, I'm bouncing along the bottom over here. But I got to get up. And over the next, what ends up becoming 10 years of me going through law school, through lawyer, mm-hmm. I end up going back to these Shabbatones to talk about the value and the beauty of Judaism. And you know what happens when you have to defend something? Oh, you got yeah. fig- to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> and to me it was a, a, a watershed moment in my life where i was spending hours upon hours researching and trying to understand the beauty of this in order to share it with kids that didn't have the background
0: yeah, um, yeah. and
1: all that was really happening i hope i inspired someone i don't know but all that was i'm really sure you did was that god wasn't trying to i guess get it into my head and and to me that was sort of you know sort of how i, I started to realize what a little a little bit of, of the beauty of what we have
0: So it was it was seeing happy people who didn't have all of the sort of, you know, the trappings that we were taught growing up because you and I grew up very similar. Um, You know what we were taught, you know, I guess Jaguars and juries would really be would make us happy. All of a sudden you meet all these people that don't have any of that and seem to be happier. Right. And then you have to somehow present this. By the way, that was Central East region. Yeah. Of NCSY. Probably Mark Cohen. Rabbi Sally Friedman. Oh, so different time than me. I used to, I did Central East for three years. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So to defend something, you have to figure it out. That's quite interesting. So I have two questions as a follow-up. Number one, do you think people that are not necessarily all in, like I have a lot of students, many, thank God, who you know took the plunge, decided at some point, uh, whether they were inspired here or elsewhere, we help them along their journey to, you know, to live a fully, you know, Torah mitzvot life. Does someone have to be all in to get that happiness? Or can they listen to a Charlie Harari like episode on one of your amazing podcasts or go to one of your talks or read your book and get like a little something there? You know, or is it really like, yeah, okay, it's a little nice little something, but it's really not going to affect you very much.
1: It's a great question. It's a great question. Um, and the answer is yes and yes, in my opinion, meaning, you know, inspiration and, and and happiness is a dynamic process in life. And it takes place through different avenues. And for some people, um, in order to, to to delve into it, there needs to be sort of a, um, a almost a non-committal way of doing it to make mm-hmm. them feel comfortable. And as soon as something becomes too committee... I'm using making up it words committee, but you know what I mean. It almost, there's almost like a pushback mm-hmm. in which they can't fully appreciate it. As soon as someone says you have to be somewhere, you don't got to be any, You don't want to be there. And the minute it becomes your choice, it becomes um, easier. However, mm-hmm. when you're not all in on something, what happens is, you see, your brain is a, your, your brain's an incredible mechanism given to us by God to survive, in my opinion right? Mm -hmm. The goal of the brain is to survive. That's the default of the brain survival. So it conserves energy. So it chooses comfort. So it, 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 it hoards when needs to hoard, Mm -hmm. right? You know, giving is, is, is the system override (laughs) taking is what is intuitive. And so if you look around at, at, at all these studies on on cognitive overload, what you find is what cognitive overload is, is as soon as it gets hard to think about something, my brain naturally wants to not do it. And it's designed that way because if your mm-hmm. brain is always preser- conserving energy, then if you ever need it because there's danger, you have enough energy, mm-hmm. right? It's a survival technique. So what's happening is if you're always in a state of comfort, you're always in a state of having, But when you're ever in a state of exhaustion, now you're vulnerable. <laughs> However, and here's the problem, survival is antithetical to greatness because mm-hmm. greatness requires exhaustion, requires pushing self, it requires expanding to new territories in your mind. You can't do that if you're always preparing for survival. Yeah. So God gives us a brain and says, here, my gift, you'll survive for the most part. Don't do anything dumb. Okay, listen, something happens outside you. Okay. But like, if you're just living a regular life and you're not, you don't do anything dumb, you'll survive. You want greatness? That's your choice. Like that's <laughs> that's you. Like you gotta right. you gotta you gotta download the, the new application and you gotta work through it. It's really hard to engage in the depth of something if you're not willing to be all in in that thing. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is, if you're not all in, as soon as you come up against discomfort, your brain goes, "I'm out." But all the all the value, all the all the all the gains are in the discomfort right? When mm-hmm. you're dating somebody, if you're not willing to say I'm all in, you're not going to you're not gonna survive the discomfort of the relationship. But yeah. the only way you could become one with a human being that's not you is through discomfort. Like you can't mold into one person. Two and, people and, and... can't become one unless they, they go. So as soon as you get to that place of I'm not committing, what's happening is you are preventing yourself. You'll have some happiness. You'll have some good times, but the depth, the, right. the stuff that you can't right. articulate, the stuff that makes it amazing you can't get to because that only comes post discomfort, and as soon as you get to discomfort, your brain will go whoa, 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 wait, wait, <laughs> wait, we, we're not doing that. Yes,
0: yeah, so you have to basically fight against a certain default you're saying cognitively that we all have of just being comfortable. So, what do you yeah. what 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 have you found is helpful in pushing people? And I say pushing out in a coercive kind of way, but in an inspiring way. Uh, In inspiring, I should just use the word. What have you found successful in inspiring people to get out of their comfort zone? Let's say, you know, it could be taking on a new project at work, taking on a new mitzvah, doing something that you weren't raised to do. Um, And that's not necessarily comfortable. But if you don't, as you said, make yourself vulnerable and you don't, you know, put yourself out of that place, that default of comfort, you know, because the brain just just doesn't want to work harder other than what it has to do to survive, you're saying. What, what what motivates people?
1: So so the, there's really two things. One is a, a series that I just put out called um, "Mind Hacks: Hacking Your Mind to Achieve Your Goals." Right. So what I found was that I wrote a book about it called Unlocking Greatness. But, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard to read through the whole book. So I, I actually put a series it's, out. 10
0: uh, it's a great book, Unlocking Thank Greatness. Thank you. Uh, Thank Charlie Ferrari. Seriously, excellent Thank book. You. Yeah, keep going. Sorry. Thank you.
1: So I put out this thing. It's 10 minutes. It's uh, 20, 20 classes of 10 minutes each. And the goal of this is there's two ways to approach this. One way is to understand how your brain works. A lot of times the reason why people don't succeed is because they think if they just make a resolution, it'll work. And it doesn't. Your brain isn't built to make resolutions. Your brain is 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 neuroplastic. It's built for repetition. <laughs> so in, un, to understand how your willpower works and how you align that with repetitive thought, that's how your brain shifts and changes. And that's why habits and rituals are so powerful. When you look at the mm-hmm. lives of great people, they don't make a lot of resolutions. They have a lot of rituals, lots of habits and rituals, because they understand that for your brain to adapt to something, you have to do it repetitively. So if you those who go into the series, you'll get all the details. But the the, the really, w- the way change should happen is you see something that you want, right? And that you it's a moment of truth. And that's the problem. The problem is that inspiration really loses. Inspiration is an emotion that you feel. Mm-hmm. And you have it. And what inspiration is supposed to be doing is giving you clarity because life is so busy that it's hard to see clearly, but when you slow it down, and especially now, it's much worse. I mean, there are people that are always inspired, and you go, "How come he's always inspired?" The answer mm-hmm. usually is because they put themselves around moments that allow for inspiration,
0: right? Mm-hmm. When you or, read a book, or, pl- or places, environments, or places.
1: exactly, people, example, places,
0: and things. You know,
1: yeah. but when you when you read a book, let's say, you put yourself in a place where you're reading a book on you know outside somewhere so you're in a place where you're reading so your brain's working slower and you're someplace that works and it's slower and you're in a park or in a house so you can think your 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 the the soul has more expression that your your soul, which is a constant state of, of of spirituality has expression to breathe. if you take that same book and you put it into a podcast and listen to it on two and it's on the subway and you're like, I wasn't inspired. yeah, the book was inspiring but Your environment did not allow Mm -hmm. an expression of inspiration. So, So what happens is.
0: So, it's not just the content, it's also how you choose to approach the content. Oh, it's almost always. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's almost always the context. In fact, that's the problem is people think that Judaism is a great example. People think Mm -hmm. that Judaism is uninspiring because usually they heard it when they were 12 and someone, some authority was saying you can't. So, we think you can't and you don't know why and you have to and you can't leave. Yeah. It's gonna stink, you know what I'm saying? But like, <laughs> if you would have rolled that back, and it would have been a, an environment in which you understood what it was, and you were more mature, and you a, a, and and you put the context differently, that same act, that same ritual, that same mitzvah, that same piece of Torah, will be like, holy cow, it's changing my life. Yeah. So context is everything. Mm-hmm. And whenever you're in a context in which you are uninspired. When you hit inspiration, which if you notice always happens, or usually happens when you shift context. You get inspired mm-hmm. by weddings or God forbid funerals. You get inspired mm-hmm. by Rosh Hashanahs, or Yom Kippurs, or songs. Right? Why does that work? For because a song takes you to a new place. You put on your mm-hmm. earphones, noise cancellation. You hear the song, and now you're there. So what's happening is your your context shifted, and in the context shift, there's 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 expression to your soul. And what happens is you see clearly and that's what inspiration is It's like a moment of a vision and, and if you say to someone you're inspired you'll see at the moment of inspiration they never say I want to become they say I am I could be mm-hmm. this like I could eat like this I can talk like this like this it's not like I wish if you, if, you, if you listen closely when someone walks into let's, let's, let's take an easy example let's take let's take health okay mm-hmm. let's take someone who's like super healthy and they look great and look fit whatever they walk into a room person looks and goes man i'm so out of shape that's not inspiring (laughs) right they see something but when someone has inspiration and they go i can do that that's inspiring it's the same context i should be better in this area but when it comes through inspiration it feels like i can
0: Mm.
1: now at that moment what you're feeling is an emotion and it feels so clear so much so that you're like i can do this no problem and off you go go to the gym, stop eating bad food, pass on dessert. You're, Because it's so clear to you that this is because
0: it is who you are. However. And, 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 but isn't it also seeing somebody, let's say, let's use the example of fitness, right? If I just see someone who's totally, you know, buffed and like, that's it, not, not inspiring me. If I saw that he used to be a little heavy and, uh, and he's got some diabetes and he's got these, and, and somehow he pushed through it and I see him pushing through it. And I'm like, Ooh, Wait, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe I can do that, you know. Yeah,
1: that's what it is the context, meaning the end of the day, you see him in a context that says yeah. he's overcome challenge,
0: yeah, right? Yeah, that's At the end inspiring. of the day, it's the right.
1: same result. I should be better, but what's happening is the way you take in the information is different. Mm-hmm. So, in the moment of inspiration, however, it comes to you, you feel clear that you can do it. And for by, many by, people,
0: by, by the way, just there's so many Torah personalities you know so many stories in the torah of of like individuals who overcame and didn't you know the, the reason someone is a tzaddik a righteous person is not because they were born this way because somehow they overcame all of these obstacles pushed through it i mean that's what inspires people that's why david Amelech is our yeah. you know our, our mashiach you know the harbinger for the mashiach the descendants because you know a lot of struggle, a lot of struggle there. Yeah,
1: and what ends up happening a lot in today's day and age, and this is a big issue that we we, we sort of know intellectually but not emotionally, is that what we look at every day are fate, false images of human beings, Yeah. right? When I see the Instagram page of my friend who's at this beautiful island and they look like they have the most perfect life, I don't see what's going on in their minds. I don't see what's going on in their hearts. I don't see the challenges that they're in, right? I just see, the, I just see pictures of them. And when yeah. they're putting their pictures, it's like 12 shots in after they've already you know, changed it on their phone and, and they look gorgeous. So when I look at a rabbi, let's say, and he looks perfect. He looks like he does no wrong. He looks like he has no temptations. It's not me. However, when I understand that he is a human being that overcame his challenges because he saw something in this Torah that would speak to me too, once I shift my context of how I see him or her, then Uh I am able to connect to that in a much deeper way. And Uh that to me, by the way, is critical because the inspiration that takes place is all based on the context in which you take it in. However, it's just an emotion. So today you feel inspired because you're on a weekend, you're on a tone, you're at a class, whatever. And you know what happens three days later? You forgot the deadline that you had to do and now your (laughs) boss emails you. So what ends up happening is the emotion now gets overridden by another emotion. And that first emotion is gone. And now so, all so, that stuff is gone.
0: Right. So the, the, the answer to that you alluded to before, you said habit. That's why habits are so important, which is why I always thought Judaism was always mitzvah-centered because they're like positive spiritual habits. But let me ask you a question. My wife um, uh, told me to read the James Clear Atomic Habits, and I actually developed a little drusha out of it. Um, he says that true and lasting behavioral change good habits will only take place when you experience what he calls an identity change. Yeah. Right. So when the new habit becomes part of your identity. So if the reason, uh, let's say you come late all the time and you got inspired to come on time, the only, the way that you're going to make that a habit is if you start viewing yourself as an on-time kind of person, he gives all these examples. If you come late, right. You're not, thinking about others so you start seeing yourself as more of a thoughtful person you wouldn't keep another person waiting so my question to you is you know um how do you start seeing yourself as such a person because we we all suffer from such self-esteem challenges like it's it's easier said than done to just start looking at yourself as a fit person and therefore i'll I'll work out seeing myself as a spiritual person therefore i'll keep mitzvahs seeing myself as a you know, intellectual learned person. And therefore I got to study Torah. We don't look at ourselves that way. We have a very low image generally. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I I mean, this is a series. I mean, I literally, you know, episode 18 or 19 is identity.
0: Like, so give us, give us like a little, give Uh, us a little, I I
1: can give you, it's a, it's a lot to talk about. (laughs) So I, I, even what I say now is a little piece of, Mm -hmm. but let me sort of give you what, let me try at the core of it. You're either a body or a soul. Let's do that. At the core, core, core of your identity is a body or a soul, okay? A body is a physical thing that I can touch, feel, and taste. I see it grow. I see it change. I see it get larger and smaller. I see it get taller. I I see it get older. I see it grow hair. It's a body. It has feelings, senses, or I identify with something that is deeper. I have an essence. That essence is why I could change. That essence is what I I, I can't put into, into words. Certain feelings they're they're metaphysical. Let's just forget soul. Let's just mm-hmm. say metaphysical. Mm-hmm. That may be easier. Okay, I'm physical or I'm metaphysical. Now that's the core identity question. If you are physical, that means you 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 live and you die. And you're you can grow muscle, you can lose muscle, you can gain food, whatever you are a physical entity that exists in a physical world you're a material girl (laughs) as the great philosopher once said (laughs) if you're metaphysical which is the core faith of judaism this is uh, in my opinion this is this is the tanya 101 this is (laughs) this is mishnayas 101 right nivra betzellam right if you're if you if even if you don't believe it if you just hear it now And are thinking to yourself, just contemplate that you don't, you are not a body, you have a body, your soul Mm -hmm. will live after you, after your body dies. Mm -hmm. If that's even a possibility, two things happen. One, you start to relate to your creator very differently because that's a piece of the creator. God is no longer up around you. He's around, but he's also in. That is a complete shift towards judaism because judaism now becomes the science of revealing your inner power i want to tap into my metaphysical power how do i do that to tap into my physical power i just go to a nutritionist and a trainer and they, they give me very specific exercises and i can get stronger but what about my metaphysical power so i go to another trainer they're called rabbis and rebbitsons and they give me other exercises called mitzvos but those things are not just random stuff to do because god wants me to do it because some deity in the heavens need me to eat some matzah it's there these are the outlets and just like it makes no sense to me why i have to lift weight to grow my 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 chest muscles it makes no sense to me why i have to eat matzah to grow my my faith but i'm not the expert Right, So that, that's the yeah. basic core.
0: By the way, if you see me looking down, it's because I'm writing some notes. Uh, the, the, some of these analogies are great, especially the matzah and the lifting weights. Keep going. <laughs> no, seriously.
1: Once you get to that core, and that's step one,
0: mm-hmm.
1: just to, uh, forget if you believe it, just to entertain the fact that your identity is connected to the creator of the universe and you, meet, you are an infinite source that happens to have a space you'd call the body now what that means is that you have the ability to create in a way yourself in the way you want well how do you do that well you have a brain and the brain is neuroplastic now i'm talking within limits not i'm not saying that everything is possible but within limits you can shift the way literally shift the neurostructure of your brain if you were if you take a two-year-old and you put them in a different country, and you leave them alone for 10 years, their brain will have different mm-hmm. neural connections for foods, for, 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 for words. If you start a new job, and you don't know what you're doing, and you stay in that new job for 10 years, your brain will know everything about your job, right? The way your brain works is as it ex- is exposed to information, it creates connections. And it literally changes the neural structure of your brain. So this soul of yours that's infinite in its power can direct the computer called your brain to change how you think, to change what you believe, to change what you habituate yourself around. Now, it happens to be that you're late. Are you born late because you have a spiritual begam? Maybe. But usually you're born late, but you're late because that's the environment that you were in. You grew up and maybe being timely wasn't expressed enough or maybe you naturally have a tendency, whatever it is. But the stuff that is a natural tendency or exposure or or we call emetic desires or whatever it is, these are brain stuff. With habits, you can theoretically go out and change your brain to being a person that is more connected to time. Now, everything is within limits. I'm not suggesting that you can grow your height, and I'm not suggesting that somebody has some. Ter- I'm I'm saying most people within limits. So when we think about my life from a place of this is who I am. And I know who I am because of who I was yesterday. It's very limiting. When you think of your life as this is who I am, because I am a infinite source. I don't even know who I am. I'm an infinite source. There's stuff in here that I don't even knew. I, I don't even, I, I don't even tap into. And you see people that go through challenge, God forbid. And they're like, I can't do it. And you're like, you can't, you like, can't do it. And then you see them two years later. and like, they did. I'm like, how'd you do it? They're like, the answer is they didn't know how powerful they were. Well, why did not they know for? They've been living with themselves for 40 years because you can't know how powerful you are until you go through the things that draw out your power because mm-hmm. the physical brain can't wrap itself around the infinite soul. Once you walk with that, your identity is based on your decisions. Now, your brain may take years for it to be habitual.
0: Mm-hmm, to catch up.
1: And that's what we have Yom Kippur for. Because Yom Kippur is God's way of saying, stop being held down by your past. Choose. Make a decision. Because if you make a decision in front of me today, you didn't leave the shul. You didn't go back and change your life. Your decisions with real sincerity is your identity. Now, you'll have to go in, and do a habit. And we can talk mm-hmm. about that, how, what that looks like. You'll have to get to a place where it feels normal for you. It feels natural for you. Okay. That's a long process. But who you are? Are you a father before your first kid is born? No. What happens? You make a decision. Not everybody does. You make a decision. I want to be a good dad. And as a result, your brain starts to orient around what's a good dad? Decisions become your identity. And once you see it that way, what what what, what Clear is getting at is when you if you what he's saying is if someone's smoking and they stop smoking, you're always going to smoke if you're quitting smoking because you're a smoker you have to say to yourself from the first second now nah, i'm healthy i don't smoke I, I don't smoke now you could be craving it who cares i don't smoke now you could have stopped a day ago but once you realize that you have the ability to change your identity regardless of what kind of ne- connections you have okay you got a neural connection that has 30 years of the, the the habit of eating unhealthy okay big deal it's gonna take you a couple of years to get fully get over a couple of months hmm. to, to feel I'm healthy. No, I'm not eating that. Why? You had it yesterday. I'm healthy. Yeah, look who, look who's so healthy. Now, you'll feel like a hypocrite. Your friends will make you feel like a hypocrite. And your brain will tell you you're a hypocrite. But to your soul, they're thinking, welcome to the club. Like it's about time you tapped into that place. <laughs> where, like where, where have you,
0: you been? Where you been? Like, so you have you been? Right. You don't
1: have to eat the day, Claire. You know what I'm saying? Like, You know what you got? you can lift a mountain you get you can't you can't i need an eclair you know i'm saying like do you you have any idea the power you have in yourself so once you identify with that your life changes you come to shul you hear rabbi wild speak and you don't go i can't too hard my friends i come from here you're like "Whoa, whoa, whoa should i do that what do you think should i do that i don't know why don't i try it i always wanted to be more spiritual but but and, and as you contemplate change, that change isn't like, I can't. That change is, well, what else can I do? What else can I explore? You know, in our company here, we've got a lot of young people in our company. We're in a real estate company, right? We got, you can, in one minute, in one minute, I can tell the difference between a person who's going to become successful, in my opinion, one minute. One person walks in and they're already annoyed at the work. <laughs> they're thinking from their body. It's going to be late. i got a friend to hang out with. I don't know how to do it. I'm too young. It's, I'm overwhelmed. I'm going to fail. I can't. I can't. Body, 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 body. One person's like, what else can I learn? I'll do it. I'll try. And you're thinking, and they don't even know it. They think like a soul. What can I do? What can not I figure out? What can-? And this is your point. Rabbi Akiva, 40 years old, didn't know anything, became one of the greatest rabbis. Lagba Omer it's coming up, right? One of his greatest students, which took place after he lost 24,000. If you look at every, and this is what gets lost sometimes. If you look at and by the way, and it's it's in the books. I find you just we just, don't, we just don't read for it. Like the books have these stories. We just don't read for them. But look at some of the greatest people of our history. They weren't rolling, but they believed that they had something inside them and that pushed them through avraham and yishak and Yaakov, and, and sar and 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 david ben gurion and 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 every 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 tzanchat, every paratrooper this is our people it's a bunch of people that intuit that there's something inside them that is more powerful than the things around them and they keep on moving up the mountain and when a person Adopts the Jewish eternal identity as their identity, and they explore their own spirituality. They unleash a power that has their own brain go, "All right, all right, are you in? Okay, what are we doing next? I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> I, you can just don't don't make me crazy. I got it." And that's the shift. Now I don't know if clear goes that far, but that's my no,
0: experience. no. I I I wow wow wow. Thank you so much for sharing that, and. uh how would you go about this is tough now because you're saying it's really coming down to how you see yourself body versus soul. And if you look at yourself as a soul, then you're going to want to basically allow the soul to reveal something greater, you know, but you know, we, we live in, but all of the changes, we still live in a very, very materialistic society and it's still doubted by so many people that we yeah. have this higher dimension.
1: Yeah. and that Now that's- I,
0: yeah. I don't even know what I'm asking. I don't even know if I have a question. I, I, although no,
1: That's what I saw. That's it. What I saw in Israel at 18 was, it took me 20 years to put my, um, well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> More than 20. And I'm still trying to put my finger on it, right? It, it, that's what I, I couldn't put my finger on. Like, wait a second. You're not playing by the rules. That's not how it works right you're not supposed to have forget like happiness it wasn't like they were like walking around on like you know like live happy and be life right. and bad I, I, I can i could i can smell that i'm from brooklyn mm. you know what i'm saying like you can smell that <laughs> or you can smell that miles away you know what i'm saying like i'm not talking about that. i'm not talking about like high on life type which right. is you know, teacher's own i'm talking about <laughs> deep deep real life satisfaction i'm like what is that thing now, I saw it before, but I didn't. I guess I wasn't in the context to see it. And I saw it everywhere in Israel. Not that every person, there's plenty of stuff in Israel that's doing do it. But right. I'm like, what is this thing that well, I that's, see?
0: That's probably one of the motivations that so many people who have changed their lives and have taken on a life of Torah mitzvot, many of them, if you speak to them, I know this from many of my students, I know this from my wife, it's that they spent one Shabbat meal at some home and they were like, this is what I want. I want this. Now, what is this? So they'll say, oh, the kiddish. The, that's not, it's the it's the joy. There's like a simple joy that all the money and I guess juries and jaguars so keep going back to that in the world um, is not going to provide.
1: Can I tell you what I, what someone gave me the example once? This is what, ready for this? It says you walk into a home and it's big, and it's beautiful, and all the lights are off. Not pitch black. Picture Mm -hmm. in your head you're walking into Mm -hmm. a home at like six o'clock at night, big, and you walk into this dining room, and it's gorgeous, and the lights are off. It just feels off. And you're like, Mm -hmm. what's up? Like what feels off? Like the table's gorgeous, the sink's gorgeous, the pictures on the wall, the portraits are expensive. Like the silverware, Everything is here. But what? then you go into a smaller home and the dining room is uh, lit up. Mm -hmm. And you can't put your finger on it unless, obviously, lights you can. You're like, what's the difference? Mm -hmm. Something is alive. And when something is alive, it doesn't need to have the the trappings, the body of something that has less life. Spirituality is life. It's It's alive. alive. And when you see somebody, that doesn't have the trappings, the home, the dining room table. You look at him and go, you can't possibly be alive. But wait, why what do I see on your face? Yeah. Your wife didn't see the, the kids. She didn't see the table. She didn't see the kiddish. What she saw was it was on it was it was lit.
0: Yeah, the room was lit. lit up. That's the expression. It was lit.
1: It was lit up, and she, in her soul, it wasn't her physical eyes that saw it. Yeah. Her spiritual right. eyes said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. this room's whoa. this room's lit up. Right. Why? I, I want I want a life that's lit like up. This. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I saw in Israel. I want a life. And by the way, what I learned since then is that if you light your life up, you can have a big. You can, you can have a mansion. Judaism doesn't believe that the only way your light gets lit, lit your life gets lit up, is if you're sitting in an apartment." That's a major misconception. Judaism allows people to have tremendous wealth, but it demands that with whatever you have, you light it up. The darkness is a world in which there is no expression for the soul. And what I've seen in my, my life, and I'm not an expert and I'm a nobody, I'm not a rabbi, I'm not holy, I'm regular, I'm a regular dude. What I've seen in my life, being in the world that I live in, in real estate and private, whatever whatever I do during my day, I see lots of really successful people, thank God, and very few of them, whose life has been fully materially successful, are lit up. Yeah, doesn't mean that they don't have moments, and they're good people, and I'm not judging them. It's a light that you can sense that some people have, and what I think people are scared of, and which is why they don't go all in, is that that light they can't put on a piece of paper, they can't put in their hands, they can't put in a pill, and They can sense it's something, but they don't know how to get it. And if they give up the material comforts, if they give up the stuff that they know in order to walk into a world that it's going to require more physical sacrifice, it's not guaranteed that they're going to feel that thing that they once felt in a class, in a moment at a Shabbat table. That is, is the belief structure that little Rev. weinberger told me i know that you you know you know Rebbe well Rev weinberger once said to me once i remember i was in between i was in a, in, a, in a job and i was offered to a different job and i was scared and i went to him and he said um you know why ladders are what we use to go higher because ladders are built with strong rungs and holes in order to go to the next rung of, of stability you have to be willing to pass by the abyss mm-hmm. right you got to go <laughs> rung. Mm-hmm. Uncertainty. Wrong. And if you're not willing to put your foot, to take your foot off that rung and pass through the abyss, you ain't climbing. And right. that's where, where people get stopped. They're, 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 and I don't blame them. We Yeah. At,
0: and it's also every, you explained before you explained before how the brain is working, which is programmed to survive. Um you know it's it's not it's not looking to do this. It's looking to keep things safe. Absolutely. But, uh, but you know, something you were saying before, I I need to find the Torah, Charlie, for this just to underlie, like there's just, it's a whole bunch of things are bopping around in my mind. As you talk about life, which is really energized by something spiritual and physical, the most beautiful physical. It just doesn't have that. The spark, it doesn't have the, the nefesh, the to it, you know, and it's, um, you know, we we this is so Tanya. I mean, there's just so much Kabbalah oh, yeah. behind the idea of like of what animates us as people is just something which is not physical. So you could have all the money in the world, you could have all of the creature comforts, and unfortunately, be still a very unhappy person. And you could be la- lacking in some of the physicality and be incredibly lit. You know, um, you know what
1: holiday shows this more than any other holiday? The holiday in which we pit. A bunch of small—they're uh, big—a bunch of rabbis in Israel against the greatest materialistic society of all time, right? The, the, the society that brought materialism to the world is Greece. Mm-hmm. They believed in the body. They used to play sports in the nude to to honor mm-hmm. the body. They were the paradigm of the body, right? They came to snuff out the Ju- Judaism. The holiday is a military victory. That's what it was. Yet. The symbol of the holiday As is light, light yeah. Yeah. because it's nothing to do with the military. And in fact, mm-hmm. when the when the, when the, when the, when the Hashemarim came to the base of HaMikdash, they could have picked anything. They came right to the light, and they wanted it to be pure light because it says, Ki ner Hashem nishmas adam, because the light of Hashem is our neshama. The battle wasn't about property and territory. The battle of Greece versus Judaism, materialism versus spirituality is the battle of light. And one little candle in the darkness changes everything. And That's the battle of our lives. The battle of our lives is where will you bring light? And by the way, it's everything. Where will you bring it into your marriage, into your into your job, into your food? Like it's not just whether or not you go to shul. Sure. It's everything. Where do you bring light?
0: And well, if we you, could re, if if we could, re, I'm sorry to jump in. Jump in. But I I would love to remarket Judaism from like just from the ground up about how every one of the 613, the 248 positive mitzvot, the 365 things that Torah wants to stay away from, how it, it's bringing energy and light to a different aspect of our physical existence. Because if we, if we really sort of, if we educated and we were educated as kids, that, that, that those mitzvot are the device, though the methodology through which those mundane activities of our life that we're all doing, whether it's going to the bathroom or eating, is are, are going to be given light and inspiration yeah. i mean that's what it's about that's what it's like torah in a nutshell like
1: yeah and there's a source for it i mean if you look at Hasidus, um kabbalah but if you look at Hasidus, mm-hmm. they explain it in multiple places i'm sure you could find it's multiple areas the idea basically is that there is light there's ore of hashem mm-hmm. light of god yeah. that came into this world in through a whole conversation mm-hmm. that's well beyond my knowledge in this conversation Um, it's sparks of light are all over the world. And our job is to release the sparks from their shells. So when you do a positive mitzvah, you are enhancing the light. When you do it, when you refrain, what's happening is you are releasing the spark from a a place that it is trapped. So Hasidus, this isn't Charlie Harar, right? (laughs) Hasidus, Well, it's Kabbalah. There, it's yeah.
0: Kabbalah. It's It's a Shweer right. Yeah. Shver-Sakhalim. What, Shver-Sakhalim what, what Charlie was referring to is the um, that was the way through which we believe the Kabbalists believe God created the world was that there were these vessels and God, because God wanted some of his spirituality to be in the world. He filled those vessels with some of his infinite light, but the vessels could not contain. They burst, sending out these sparks of holiness into the physical realm. And every time we do a mitzvah, this is what you were just explaining yeah. so beautifully. Every time we do a mitzvah, we are restoring the light to the source for everything. And the source for all physicality is spirituality. i And at the end of the day. Nothing physical exists without God having willed it into existence. So if we want that to come alive and we want to actually be happy with our physical lives, then we've got to release those sparks.
1: The, the, the example that I give sometimes is that if you, if you were in school and you are growing up and they taught you about uh, elements of, and, and, and temperatures, right? They'll, they'll, they'll show you a little vapor and they'll, you know, they'll put it in a colder environment and it'll turn into liquid and they will put it into a colder environment and it'll turn into a solid right and and they'll teach you the elements of something change based on the area around it and so that's the goal like understanding that we live in the world of ice and that's the coldest environment you know spiritually spiritually coldest environment we have is this world but as you identify with those elements and you'll realize that that soul it's not you're not ice you're you're, you're it's the elements from within that soul is it's just what you really are is you're just a congealed soul your body is just—it's just—it's just congealed spirituality. It's the spirituality that you're after, and when you can control it from the spiritual level, now your body follows, and that's so, where you become free.
0: So, so let me ask you a question. One—I one, one, know it's getting a little late, but are you nervous about um about artificial intelligence AI? Because if our goal in life is to somehow bring out the spiritual from the physical. Okay, then you know we can we have now created computers smart enough to figure stuff out on their own, and we're going to start relying on them. People are starting to rely on them, not just for you know information, but like even creativity. Now, I mean, you could just sit down and and what what is it called? I'm terrible with this. She help me. Chat somebody. GPT. (laughs) Yeah, thank you very much. Right, Chat GPT. (laughs) Chat I'll tell you, so you hear what i'm asking i'm like, yeah, I, like I, i'm I, actually
1: not i'm not worried at all about it i'll tell you why first of all i'm not worried in general about the future because i can't control it and god knows that better than i and so <laughs> great people before us have been concerned about cars and concerned about computers and concerned about all i mean in every generation there's some new thing that is the technology that's going to be the future in which leaders get up and say this is the end of civilization i don't believe i listen but i'm 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 I rely on God with this stuff, like the stuff that's beyond my future. I, until I can, until someone gives me a time machine, I don't – but let me tell you why I'm, I think there's a value to it. At the end of the day, the future of time, the messianic era, the rabbis teach us that Rambam, I think, speaks about this directly, how we'll be free to spend all our days delving into spiritual wisdom. There is no AI bot that can tap into spiritual wisdom, as far as mm-hmm. I know. So if, if we can get to a place where it can figure out how to like get me to work and do my laundry and turn on the lights and it knows that I, it writes my term sheets for me. And <laughs> I'm sure that if people that know I are like you, that's just the beginning of it. Fine. In my humble opinion of the little that I know, if it allows me to stop thinking about the mundane world and gives me an extra few hours to delve into spiritual wisdom, mm-hmm. bring it on and what's gonna and maybe this is the beginning of the messianic era in which god says there will be an ability for us to function in society automatically and now you're free you're it'll work the traffic will just work the the, the groceries will just work your fridge will read the eggs you need and then it'll get delivered to your household maybe we'll see a time where all the things we call life, we will realize are just algorithms. Mm-hmm. And the life that we've really never got to go to because we're too busy is a life in which we are tapping into the spiritual wisdom of the creator, which no bot could ever algorithmize because it's spiritual. And if this thing gives us time to start to become bigger people, to deepen our relationships between each other and our can't compress right.
0: enough. Now, listen. Like anything else, could be a huge blessing if it if it frees us up. And like everything else, mo- it'll
1: be it'll be ruined by bad people, and <laughs> we'll have to. Although I'm,
0: I, I just look. I don't know much about artificial intelligence, but it seems that these bots or these whatever it is will be able to access a lot of the literature out there on Kabbalah, and if these computers can access and man, not manipulate, but get into ideas of Kabbalah in a smarter way that you and i can now i'm not saying it's going to impact the soul per se that's what it is that it's It's going to make us feel closer to god but it could perhaps give us i don't know greater insights that we maybe couldn't have come up with on our own the question is is it are we going to like are we going to just like we don't need to do the work anymore we just you know there's no amelos anymore there's no like throwing yourself into something because you know why shirts sure anymore?
1: I'm sure it will be, and I'm sure they'll lead to tremendous depravity, just like in times of Noah, when they they invented farm tools, and that led to the worst society that needed to get whipped up by the flood. So always, mm-hmm. whenever there's a shift in agricultural or any type of uh, life living, a uh, lifestyle living, there's a whole world of easier living which leads me to do worse things. But if you're on a spiritual quest and you get a couple hours free a day, and that allows you to del- turn on the light you get to live in a time where you get to turn the light on our grandparents spent all day trying to survive if our grandkids can wake up in the morning and have the physical world work for them and they're smart enough and have been trained by us enough to know what it feels like to be a soul now if if we're physical beings then we're competing with bots if we're <laughs> spiritual beings then the bots yeah. are working for us and go. that's the difference in my opinion yeah okay it's, i'm sure it's naive, but. No, no. I mean, look. Sometimes it's fun to be nice. An like
0: anything else, you know. They said that Noah got his name. You just mentioned about he yeah. invented the plow, so that also. I mean, he got his name because Noah he brought a certain more pleasant existence to other people. Yeah. You know, because he solved one of the biggest problems. You know, in terms of farming, but along with that industrial revolution change came all these other issues and problems. The question is, right. can we somehow learn to get the good without? getting sucked into all the other things that let's say technology brings with it yep you know not so simple charlie thank you man this is oh, my awesome. pleasure my i pleasure. want to ask you one one last question i've been asking sure. a number of my and i know i'm bringing you into my in my into my chosen profession but you're in my chosen profession you've been you've been pushing around that. in this oh yeah you're you're quite the uh, outreach guy go- what do you think what do you think young jews today i serve 20s and 30s um i'm always looking for new ideas what a young what a 20s and 30s conservative reform and the truth is orthodox because we're seeing unfortunately as you know so many of our own kids in our own community just not being inspired okay so i found very inspiring going back to our whole conversation about what really brings happiness Mm -hmm. anything any other program you know Depth. I got birthright today depth let me hear
1: they need I think people need depth today slow slower softer deeper any way I can get out of my life any way I can get out of my environment any way I could slow down and understand what I do deeper less and deeper we live in a world where more and more and more quicker quicker faster faster has overwhelmed mm-hmm. our brains and learning how to talk to somebody um, going away with a few people real relationships, taking um, texts that matter and studying them so that I fully understand them, um, taking mitzvos that I can do so that I understand the depth of it at the level where I see it light up the world. Today, people are running like crazy and along the way have lost what it feels like to walk, what it feels like to stroll and to breathe and to smell. And when you could introduce opportunities for people, not everyone will do it, to slow and deeper, less, but deeper, they will own something. It'll be, it'll mean something. And it is largely lost in our society. We are living in a world where everything comes at you immediately and it all tastes the same, a little bit better than bland. <laughs> and when you take one or two things and you delve into them and you create a small group, and they live for each other, and you have one mission. And when you take unity, unity, to me, that is
0: beautiful. Thank you.
1: A pleasure. I got a bounce. Thank you. This is Thank awesome. You for the Thank opportunity. you so much.
0: And um, anybody who wants to hear Charlie Harari's 20 oh. part series, Mind Hacks, it's between now and Shavuot. Very, very much encourage you to go and on afterwards. that. Get, yeah. get his book. I'll just tell us the title of your book again. I just Unlocking that. Greatness. Unlocking
1: Greatness. Anywhere, Instagram, anywhere you find me, you can find mine hacks. If you can't mm-hmm. find it anywhere, um, email me at unlockinggreatness at com or me directly, charlie at com. Awesome.
0: Thank you, my friend. We Thanks, Robert. Really appreciate
1: for it. I like.